Chapter 53 Oh, Lady Mare. You look beautiful. Fiora blinked at her reflection. Colette stood beside her and grinned in the mirror. Fiora hesitated only a moment before smiling back. Because she did look beautiful. Dowager Queen Bernadine's dress suited her perfectly. The seamstress had tailored the gown to fit her figure and shortened the hem so the golden heels peeked out from beneath the skirt when Fiora moved. Let me see. Fiora turned in a slow circle so the Dowager Queen could study her from every angle. Bernadine's eyes twinkled with approval. Excellent. Now what should we do with your hair? Fiora's heart skipped a beat. It was a perfectly innocent question, but Bernadine's tone seemed to carry extra meaning. Fortunately, the Dowager Queen did not comment on squid ink dye again. I could braid it if you want, Princess Serafina offered. The Crown Princess of Santel studied Fiora with eyes every bit as intense as Bernadine's. Fiora swallowed. She had never met Serafina before today. There was no reason for the princess to recognize her or be suspicious. So why did Fiora feel like Serafina was sizing her up and looking for weaknesses? Um, I'm not sure a braid would compliment the dress? Fiora signed to Colette. She didn't want to get on Serafina's bad side, but the tightly pulled back hairstyle that Serafina called her dress braid was too severe for a formal event. She needed to look her best so she could win Gustav's heart. That's very generous, Princess Serafina, but we have a hairdresser on staff that will see to Lady Mare's hair, Colette said. You should focus on getting ready yourself first. I am ready. Fiora and Colette blinked at Serafina, who met their surprise with a steady gaze. The Crown Princess of Santel wore a naval uniform. Granted it was clean and perfectly starched, but it was still a uniform. This is my dress uniform. I wear it to all formal events. Oh, of course, Colette said. Forgive me. It's just that Karina never wore a uniform, so I didn't think. Karina isn't in the Navy. Yes, of course. Fiora wished she could sign something to Colette that showed she was surprised as well. Karina and Serafina were about as unlike as sisters could be. Even more so than Fiora and Elspeth. But Lady Mare didn't know Karina, so Fiora kept the thought to herself. So far, her luck was holding. She couldn't let a careless comment ruin her disguise. It seems you all still have a lot to do before the gala, Serafina said. Would you mind if I slipped away? There's something I'd like to discuss with King Gustav. Not at all, Colette said. Fiora tried not to let her concerns show on her face. The question hadn't been addressed to her, and she had no reason to worry. But what if Serafina and Gustav had formed an attachment while he was in Santel? What if? Fiora took a deep breath and pushed the thought away. Serafina was unlikely to complicate her status as crown princess by marrying a king from another country. And if he liked her, Gustav would have asked to escort Serafina to the gala. Instead, he had asked Lady Mare. Fiora looked back to her reflection. Beauty was far from the most important factor in a relationship, but looking this good certainly couldn't hurt matters. Perhaps seeing how beautiful she was would further convince Gustav of her worth and capture the rest of his heart. Someone knocked, and a maid opened the door. Princess Lenora, Elaine, and Lady Annabel entered. Oh, Lady Mare, 
You look beautiful, Elaine said. Princess Lenora nodded her agreement. Lady Annabel looked like she wanted to murder Fiora, which was as close to a compliment as she was likely to get. Our maids said it would be easier for the hairdresser if we all came to your chambers, Dowager Queen, Princess Lenora said. I hope that was correct. Certainly. Please, make yourselves at home. Princess Lenora took the queen at her word and placed an enormous bouquet of flowers on a nearby table. For my hair, she said, answering Fiora's questioning look. She wore another butterfly-inspired gown. This one had a long lace train embroidered with a butterfly motif. Please ask Princess Lenora if I may take a closer look at the embroidery on her gown, Fiora signed to Thomas. The translator repeated the question, and Princess Lenora nodded. Of course. I didn't do the stitching, but I did help design it. It's based on my sketches of all the butterfly species that live in our garden. She held up the train for Fiora to inspect. I don't know enough about butterflies to know the different species, but the needlework is exquisite. Lenora beamed after Thomas translated. I'm glad to hear it. I appreciate good sewing, but I'm hopeless with a needle myself. It's always my weakest skill at the princess tests. Fiora raised her hands to sign that embroidery was her favorite skill at the princess tests, but remembered just in time that she was Lady Mare. And a lady pulled from the sea shouldn't know anything about princess tests. I'm sure it's not so bad, she signed instead. Oh, I'm sure it is. Would you like some flowers for your hair, Lady Mare? The hyacinth would match your dress beautifully. Fiora blinked in surprise. Was Princess Lenora really offering to share flowers with her? She looked to Colette, who was considering the offer and studying the bouquet. We'll ask the hairdresser what she thinks, but I believe it would look nice. Plus the blue would complement her eyes. Of course you may have some as well if you want, Princess Colette. I brought enough to share. Perhaps the camellias. Fiora shared a look of amusement with Dowager Queen Bernadine. We'll all be covered in flowers and butterflies by the end of the evening, Fiora signed. The Dowager Queen winked. Fiora joined the ladies at the table while they sorted through the flowers and picked out their favorites. Everyone laughed and chatted, and Colette translated whenever Fiora had anything to say. A huff behind her interrupted Fiora's thoughts. She turned and saw Lady Annabel standing in the corner of the room with her arms crossed. It was such a familiar scene that it made Fiora's heart ache. How often had she stood in a similar position, either alone or with other bitter girls gathered around her? When you viewed every woman in the room as competition, it was impossible to see them as friends. Was that how she saw these women now? She was still trying to win Gustav's heart, but Fiora's perspective had shifted. Somehow, she had become friends with the ladies gathered around the table. They had become like human sisters. With surprise, Fiora realized that she had been enjoying herself for the past few hours. Not pretending not competing. Simply having fun with friends. She looked back to Lady Annabel, who met her gaze with a haughty glare. Fiora tapped Colette on the shoulder. Perhaps we should offer flowers to Annabel? Colette glanced at Annabel, who stiffened when she realized they were talking about her. Are you sure? Fiora nodded. She knew how it felt to stand in the corner, 
but perhaps it was unnecessary. Perhaps they could all get along. Would you like some flowers for your hair, Lady Annabelle? Colette said. Annabelle's eyes widened with surprise. Then they narrowed with suspicion. Certainly not. Colette gave Fiora a look that said I told you so and returned to sorting the flowers. Fiora looked at Lady Annabelle, who had moved to a mirror across the room and was brushing imaginary wrinkles out of her skirt. Perhaps getting along with everyone was too much to hope for. Chapter 54 Tired of your guests already, Your Majesty. Gustav quickly looked away from the statue and bowed to Princess Serafina. He had thought he could escape for a few moments alone while everyone prepared for the gala, but apparently that wasn't the case. Serafina winked. I don't blame you for hiding. Massimo has that effect on people. No, he's been fine. Her mouth quirked into a smile that said she didn't believe him. Gustav laughed. He's simply young and overeager. Something like that. Shouldn't you be getting ready for the gala? Serafina gave him a look, and Gustav's face burned. What had possessed him to ask such a question? The last thing he needed was to insult the crown princess of Santel. His time with Lady Mare had loosened his tongue, but that wasn't always a good thing when you were a king. He opened his mouth to apologize, but Serafina spoke before he could. Military dress takes a lot less effort than civilian formal wear. I can get ready quickly and make better use of my time. She gestured to her clean-cut uniform, and Gustav nodded. He didn't know much about ladies' fashion, but her outfit looked easier to manage than the elaborate gowns most women wore. I heard you had another encounter with a kraken. Of course news of that incident had traveled to Santel already. Gustav wouldn't be surprised if the neighboring country had planted spies somewhere in Montaigne. Two, actually. It seems giving the Kraken heart to the mermaids didn't solve all our problems after all. That's a shame. I'd hate to think Karina was banished for nothing. A hint of bitterness crept into Serafina's normally stoic voice. Gustav hurried to reassure her. I'm sure the Ionians will take good care of her. Oh, Karina can take care of herself. I'm more worried about the Kraken. May I be frank, Your Majesty? Gustav nodded, not sure what else he could do under the circumstances. Karina trusted you, so I'm going to trust you as well. My father would probably consider this treason, but he won't always be king. I have to think of our future, and one day we will be neighboring monarchs. She seemed to expect some kind of response, so Gustav nodded again. Serafina continued. I think we're missing something. Dark magic is waking up across Myra, and the methods that worked to stop it in the past are no longer effective. There must be a cause. You think this is part of a larger plot? It would be foolish not to consider the possibility. Prince Leonardo suggested something similar. He thinks the mermaids are responsible because only coastal cities have been attacked. And what do you think? You have more experience with mermaids than I do. Not much more, and I still find them confusing. In the latest Kraken attack, one tried to kill me and two tried to save me. I have no idea what they hope to accomplish. It's certainly possible that mermaids are responsible, although I have reason to believe humans are involved as well. She paused a moment, 
studying Gustav with a stern expression before continuing in a hushed voice. I've been sent on a mission to hunt pirates. They're taking our ships, and even our most experienced captains can't stop them. Father is still reluctant to admit magical interference, but at this point no other explanation makes sense. You're chasing magical pirates in that ship? Serafina scowled, and Gustav mentally kicked himself for speaking so freely. He had noticed the sea frog docked in the harbor while riding back to the castle. It was the ugliest ship he had ever seen, but that didn't mean he should insult it to its captain's face. This statue is my father. He blurted it out, trying to distract the princess from his blunder. Serafina raised an eyebrow, as if to say she knew what he was doing, but played along and turned her attention to the statue. Is it a good likeness? No, I mean this statue is literally my father. Find King Francois. The light from his ring shone at the statue. Serafina's eyes widened. You found him then. But how is this possible? Where was he? On the bottom of the ocean, I suspect. He washed up on shore and Lady Mare found him. A kraken tried to drag him back, but mermaids stopped it and then disappeared. Serafina studied the statue for a moment. Gustav appreciated that she believed him without question. What do you think of Lady Mare? She asked. Gustav blushed, then realized she was asking from a strategic perspective. She wasn't interested in their relationship. What do you mean? He couldn't help sounding a little defensive. Serafina grinned. It just seems a bit coincidental that a young lady would appear in the sea just as all this magic washes in. And that she would find a statue of your father. Are you sure she's what she seems? I suspect she may be cursed. She won't say anything about her past. Serafina considered this. Prince Stefan's curse came with similar restrictions. Perhaps I can gather some useful information from her. I don't have Karina's skills for subterfuge, but I am rather good at getting what I want. Gustav swallowed. He wouldn't want to stand in Princess Serafina's way when she set her mind to something. Her expression was quite fierce. She noticed his discomfort and winked at him. Don't worry, your majesty, I won't hurt your lady. I should join the others before my absence becomes too obvious. My condolences on your father's curse. If I find any useful information in my travels, I will send it your way. She hesitated, and Gustav waited. He knew the look of a woman who had more to say and had learned the best strategy was to wait and listen. Finally, Serafina pulled an envelope from her jacket pocket. Could you send this to Karina? I'm not technically allowed to correspond with her, but I think she'll find this useful. It would be my pleasure. He took the envelope, and Serafina gave him a crisp military bow. Thank you, your majesty. Save me a dance tonight? It sounded far less like a question than a command. Gustav nodded and tucked the envelope into his pocket while Serafina strode out of the room. He returned to staring at his father. He really should go back to his guests, but he couldn't bring himself to do it just yet. Besides, it was almost time for the gala. Everyone except Serafina would be busy getting ready. He should get ready as well, but it wouldn't take that long to dress in the reworked suit. He could spare a few more minutes. A flash of light caught his attention, 
and he turned. The golden mirror gleamed in the light of the setting sun. Gustav walked over to it and stared at his reflection. A memory tugged at the back of his mind. A song and a girl. She was out there somewhere. She was real. But thinking about her was driving him crazy. Maybe grandmother was right. Maybe she didn't want to be found. Maybe he had built a dream around her that could never come true. Gustav turned from the mirror and looked at King Francois again. He had been so certain that finding his father would fix everything. Just as it seemed that everything would fall into place if he could only find the woman from the beach. But maybe life wasn't that simple. Maybe no one thing could ever solve all your problems. Maybe it wasn't possible to know all the answers. Gustav thought of Lady Mare and smiled. She had caused more problems than she had solved, but somehow that just made him like her more. Dreams had done him no good. Perhaps he should give reality a chance. Gustav walked closer to his father. He felt a little silly talking to a statue, but maybe King Francois could hear him somehow. And there was a conversation Gustav desperately wanted to have. I've met someone, he whispered, looking around the room to make sure he was alone before he continued. A girl. Well, a woman. She's not at all what I expected to find. She surprises me constantly. It's only been three days, but I... He stopped, not sure if he should say the words out loud. Even if he was only speaking to a statue, voicing that thought would make it real. I'm going to give this a chance, he said instead. I swore that I would wait until I found you and made things right, but I'm not sure that's even possible now. I don't know how to break your curse, and I'm not sure she'll wait until I do. So I'm going to give this a chance. Chapter 55 Fiora breathed deeply and stepped into the hallway. Her skirt rustled around her as she took tiny steps that sent pain coursing through her legs. The pain in her feet just kept getting worse, and the beautiful golden heels enhanced the torture. She exhaled slowly. She only needed to endure this for a few hours. Just long enough to convince Gustav that she was a proper lady worthy of his attention. Just long enough to win his love and recover her voice. Then she would run to the ocean and hope that she could find a mermaid who had the transformation song memorized. And that whoever had stolen the shell didn't try to stop her. Fiora swallowed. She felt nervous, but perhaps not as much as the situation warranted. She had performed under pressure before, and she had been alone then. Now, thanks to her disguise, she was surrounded by friends. Colette, Elaine, and Lenora walked beside her chatting and laughing as the group made their way to the ballroom. They were too distracted by the excitement of the moment to notice her discomfort. Thomas and Dowager Queen Bernadine followed behind them. Lady Annabel walked behind the Dowager Queen, still sulking. Princess Serafina joined them in the hallway and fell into step beside the Queen. She nodded to Fiora when their eyes met. The gesture wasn't exactly friendly, but then again, Nothing about the Crown Princess of Santel was friendly. Fiora had never attended a formal event with friends before. Their presence was more comforting than she could have imagined. She looked down at her ring and smiled when she saw that the tiny streak of grey was even smaller now. Surely it would be gone by the end of the evening. The pain would disappear, and Gustav would love her. Well, he would love Lady Mare.
that would have to be enough. Gustav and the other royal gentlemen met them at the top of the stairs that led to the ballroom. Gustav stared at Fiora in surprise, then blinked a few times and grinned at her. Her heart fluttered at his undisguised admiration. She knew she looked beautiful. The princess's and Montaigne's castle staff had made sure of that. But Gustav's expression removed any trace of doubt. No one had ever looked at her like that before. Fiora grinned back when she realized she was staring at him just as openly. The king of Montaigne looked even more handsome than usual. He wore a crown and a rather unique blue suit made of the same fabric as Fiora's gown. How was that possible? She moved closer to get a better look at Gustav's outfit. Yes, the fabric was the same as her gown, and the hems were decorated with the same embroidered pattern of waves and starfish. Both Gustav and Fiora turned to Dowager Queen Bernadine. She shrugged, but the twinkle in her eyes didn't match her innocent expression. This explains a lot, Gustav signed. Fiora smiled and offered him the hyacinth boutonniere that Princess Lenora had helped her make. It matched the flowers nestled in her hair. Gustav bowed as he took it, and his fingers brushed over hers. He pinned it carefully to his suit while Fiora watched. A wave of sadness washed over her. Whatever happened tonight, she would have to leave him at the end of it. These would be their last few hours together. Gustav finished pinning the boutonniere and frowned when he saw her expression. He raised his hands to sign a question, and Fiora shook her head. She couldn't explain, and she couldn't answer questions. She was running out of time. He bowed and held out his hand. Fiora curtsied. Pain shot through her feet, and she grimaced. You're hurt. I'm fine. No, you're not. Fiora's face flushed as everyone stared at them. She couldn't afford for anything to go wrong. She needed this evening to be perfect so she could win Gustav's love. She attempted another curtsy, and tears filled her eyes as pain washed over her. Fiora wiped the tears away and stared at the ceiling, hoping Gustav wouldn't see. Last at all. The King of Montaigne stepped away from her, and Fiora closed her eyes to hide her disappointment. She had been a complete fool to think she could keep his interest. Gustav had his choice of women to escort to the ball. Princesses and ladies and brilliant scholars. He didn't even know her name, and she was so damaged she could barely stand. It was only to be expected that he would back away and choose someone else. But when she opened her eyes, Gustav once again stood beside her. Fiora blinked at him through her tears. He looked different somehow. What had changed? He was holding something. His shoes. Fiora gasped and looked down at his feet. Gustav wasn't wearing shoes. He wiggled his toes through the silk stockings and handed his shoes to a footman. It seems a shame that our outfits should match in every other way, Lady Mare. Will you honor me by removing your shoes? You can't attend your birthday gala without shoes. I most certainly can. As can you. Then he simply waited with a calm expression on his face. Gustav, it's not the same. My skirt covers my feet, but everyone will see if you go barefoot. Why are you torturing yourself if your skirt covers your feet? Because she needed to be a proper lady to be worthy of his love. Only, that didn't seem to matter. Gustav's expression was calm, 
but there was a stubborn glint in his eyes that made Fiora think he might take after his grandmother more than anyone realized. She shook her head in defeat and stepped out of her shoes. The cold marble floor soothed her skin and sent waves of relief up her legs. It didn't remove the pain completely, but Fiora was no longer in agony. Gustav picked up her golden heels set them next to his shoes on a nearby bench. They make a fine couple, Gustav said. Then he turned red, as if realizing that his words could be taken to mean more than the shoes. They do. Fiora's eyes twinkled with amusement as Gustav smiled and offered his arm. She held on a little too tightly and looked back to see what the others thought of Gustav's lack of footwear. Princess Colette and Elaine didn't seem to care. Princess Serafina simply raised an eyebrow. Dowager Queen Bernadine seemed rather pleased. Fiora suddenly felt suspicious again. Her gown had been hemmed slightly too short for the heels, which meant it was the perfect length now that she was barefoot. She gave the Dowager Queen a questioning look, but Bernadine shrugged as if she had no idea what Fiora wanted from her. Lady Annabelle and Marquis Corbeau looked completely scandalized, which made Fiora forget about Bernadine's schemes and smile even wider. 